G'day guys, I'm Aaron Schultz and this is episode number 34 of the Outback Mind podcast. Thanks very much for joining me guys, uh, episode 34 already, uh, done uh, quite a few over the last week actually, it's been tremendous. Uh, had some really good guests uh, that have been really raw and open and honest about their journeys and experiences. And uh, tonight's guest uh, is no exception. Uh, Paul Pizzaris is a guy I've known for a while. Now, Paul uh, is a lawyer, uh, a bit different than uh, some of the guests we've had on here. Um, Paul come through the traditional uh, system of, you know, the education uh, a family that uh, was certainly professionally orientated, sort of pushing towards becoming a lawyer. Uh, he became a lawyer. He found when he was at university, he, uh, he was struggling big time. He actually suffered a mental breakdown at university. Uh, come through that, continued on. And when he got into the workforce, suffered vicarious trauma, stress, um, anxiety, all the things that go around uh, with... Um, with a job that can take us away from alignment. Uh, so whether you're a lawyer or whether you're a bricklayer or whoever, if you're not uh, really in tune with what you're doing, it can cause uh, cause issues and imbalance. And Paul uh, was brave enough a few years ago to sort of work out that uh, his future may not lie in law anymore with all the financial uh, rewards and so forth that come with it. And he moved away from that and started something called the Open Mind Institute, which basically helps people manage their uh, their well-being better, but also to be able to manage burnout, uh, to be able to prevent burnout primarily, which is a big thing, and I'm really passionate about this because I've experienced it, and I guess a lot of people out there are sort of heading down that path and um, you know, not aware of it, and I, I believe the workforce has to change in many ways to be able to help uh, people to be able to manage their mental health primarily. Uh, burnout's a real thing. Uh, it's been recognised by the World Health Organization, uh, organization now is being a major issue. And um, yeah, we need to probably do more to help people uh, learn the skills and tools to be able to manage their well-being better so they're not getting burnt out and also be able to be more responsive to their employers when this is sort of certainly um, you know, taking part and um, uh, there's signs of it to be able to go to the employer and sort of let them know how they're going. But also you know, to be able to have employers have a pre-ability of approach to, to burnout and making sure that people aren't getting to that stage. So Paul and I are gonna, gonna have a really open and honest conversation and discussion about that, about you know, burnout in the professional arena, also in the blue collar arena and farming arena and uh, all things in between. So um, whatever walk of life you're, uh, you're coming from, it uh, doesn't matter, you, I'm, I'm sure you're gonna get a lot from this conversation. Also, I wanted to really uh, make special mention to Green Nutritionals who support the podcast now. They, they provide products which are so good for our physical and mental health because it just gets the greens back into our into our body, plus um, the, the wonderful stuff they do with magnesiums and barley grass powders and calciums and all those types of things. So really encourage you uh, jumping on their website and looking at what they do. I think you'll be really surprised. It's amazing stuff. Uh, and um, as I mentioned, I would not support them if I didn't believe... Uh, <laughs> But I mean, this is a good thing. It's uh, such a tremendous product and um, so good for our well-being. So it's just uh, greennutritionals.com.au if you want to check them out. Without further ado, we'll get Paul on and get this po- podcast underway. Cheers. Paul Pizzaris, welcome to the Outback Mind podcast. Good day, Aaron. Thanks for having me. No worries, mate. Uh, I'm really grateful that you were able to 
come along here. We've been sort of having some discussions for a year or two now about uh, all things mental health and uh, burnout and all the, all the trials and tribulations of being an adult in modern life. And, uh, uh, mate, I was really keen to get you on because I think you've, um, you've taken a direction now which is more suiting you compared to where you were when you were working in, in lawyer as a lawyer in litigation. And, um, uh, you know, I, I guess a real foundation of this podcast is to try and help other guys uh, work towards their passion, you know, work, work towards something they're actually really enjoying. And you, know, you and I have both been in roles that we sort of struggled in. The financial um, side of it was really good, but uh, the, uh, the mental side was quite challenging, mate. So um, really grateful you could uh, share your journey with us. Yeah, no, look, it's an absolute pleasure, Aaron. Um, I've been listening to a couple of your podcasts and I think it's extremely important to, to get the message out there to, um, you know, people living in rural communities, but people in general, I think mental health has become so prevalent and especially in this period of uncertainty. So, um, yeah, I'm honoured to be on the show, mate. So thanks again. Good, man. I appreciate it. Let's talk about your journey, mate, upbringing, um, you know, obviously going through school, uni, the expectations and all that around it. Yeah, sure. So um, I was born and raised in Brisbane, um, Greek Australian upbringing. My parents weren't very traditional, though. The old man was born in Greece, but mum was born in Australia. Mm. Um, so, you know, I guess from a traditional sense, a lot of my um, cousins you know it was forced upon them to get into a good profession that sort of thing but for me my parents were pretty liberal pretty progressive they just wanted me to be happy mm. but um i think i had this artistic streak aaron i wanted to get into acting i was good at art that sort of thing um and come high school 94 uh my dad died so that, that was hard for a 17 year old i was really close to the old man the parents had, had separated but they had an amicable relationship um and he the last six months or so he went to live back in his mother country in greece and what was really heart-wrenching at the time was that uh, we couldn't afford to go to his funeral mm. um so year 12 was pretty tough for me and i was really at the crossroads mate because i, I had a passion as i said for all things um art and, and even psychology, but um, another side of me, I had this avenue, this opportunity to, to go into the law, you know, um, after I, you know, uh, the OP wasn't, you know, they had the OP system back in those days. Um, you know, it, it wasn't amazing, so I had to do a year of behavioural science before I got into the law, but, but inevitably that, that was the, um, the avenue I selected. So I, I got into law and international business, studied here at Griffith University. Um, and it's funny, you know, like you tell people you, you, you're doing law and they automatically assume that you're uh, a bit of a geek or, or smart. But, but for me, I literally, um, you know, took the long route. So it's to give you an indication, it's five and a half year double bachelor degree. Mm. Um, it took me about six and a half, seven years to do because um, I did law with an international business with the reasoning being that you know, at the time, I was really bad at things like maths and accounting. And, and I said to myself, well, you know, if you force yourself to do international business, you'll be good at it. But retrospectively, that's where I went wrong because I ended up failing a couple of subjects. So that's why it took me so long to do. Mm. Um, but fast forward a couple of years. So, um, you know, as I said, like I failed a couple of subjects in the in the early uh, years of the degree. But toward the end, I pulled my socks up. I did okay. 
but it was still a hard slog in my last year. I had a bit of a mental breakdown myself. Um, the old man's death was playing a lot on my mind and um, my younger brother and mother, they went back to live in Melbourne. Um, I lived a few years in, in Melbourne as well, Aaron. So I was, I was living out of home, um, you know, a lot of pressure in that last year of uni around exams, um, around, you know, 10,000 word assignments. And, um, and you combine, combine that with, uh, you know, I lost my job at a cafe I was working at to support myself through uni mm. um, and then fell behind in my rent, became evicted. And there was a period there, uh, it wasn't a long period, maybe two or three weeks, but I, I was homeless. I was living out of a car. Um, and it just got too much for me, mate. I just, you know, had a, literally had a mental breakdown. Um, but, uh, you know, it was never really diagnosed. I, I didn't have the courage to go to see a professional. There was still a lot of stigma back in those days. Um, didn't have anyone really close to me I could talk to about it. Uh, the only thing I had was this, this brief stint in studying behavioural science before going into the law. Mm. I did that for a year. Mm. Um, so it was a very long and hard, arduous journey, but I was eventually able to pull myself out of a very hard, a very dark headspace. Um, and then fast forward a little bit, I, I um, you know, ended up practicing in the criminal jurisdiction. Uh, that was because I had this uh, encounter with a legend, this icon called uh, Reuben Hurricane Carter, who you may have heard of, the boxer. Rod, you were, you were uh, defending him? No, no, no. But Ruben Hurricane Carter, he was, um, for those listeners who don't know, he was an African-American boxer in the yeah, 1960s. The hurricane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the Hurricane. He's played by Denzel Washington. That's yeah. right. Yeah, right. Um, he, he was the spokesman for a course that I did called the Innocence Project my last year of uni. It was a criminal justice court. Mm. So that's where, you know, people who have been locked up who proclaim they've been innocently convicted, um, they write into the Innocence Project and the students, together with lawyers and barristers you know where we think there's merit we reopen that reinvestigate we that investigation so really important for people who have been convicted say prior to dna testing um and really important in places like the us where you know you have the death penalty right and they reckon one in every nine people on death row are being found to be innocently convicted Jeez. <laughs> so as you may know mate the, the hurricane he spent about 20 years in jail for a crime he didn't do he was a spokesman for the course, and in 2003, he actually flew out to Australia. Mm. And um, that that uh, group of us students, we got to spend an afternoon with him, and it was smack bang in the middle of this very um, stressful period that I was telling you about when I was living out of a car. Mm. And I think he could tell, like looking back, he could tell through my body language, you know, that something wasn't quite right in my life. And he just literally gave me the time of day. You know, I just had a 10 minute conversation with him. And um, that for me was a, a very pivotal point in my life. Um, I was able to change things around and he really inspired me to go into the criminal jurisdiction, mm. Aaron. But um, so then I went over to the UK, practiced there for a bit, came back to Melbourne, worked for a criminal law firm there. Um, worked for the Victorian Aboriginal Legal Service for about seven years as well. Yep. And uh, in that period, I experienced a lot of um, vicarious trauma. You know, I've, I've dealt with some horrific matters. 
mm. um, that would leave anyone scarred. You know, I've dealt with someone in the UK who who decapitated his own mother, mm. Mm. right? Mm. And we would have to go through the police brief and interview this guy. And that, those images have, have scarred me forever. And um, then back in Melbourne, I was, you know, helping people going through their own mental health ordeals, people suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder to to schizophrenia. So I've literally seen the best and, and worst of humanity, but mm. there's always this quote that comes to mind by Oscar Wilde, the, um, the English poet, and he said that uh, within, ev- within every sinner there is a saint and within every saint there is a sinner. Yeah. You know, so I believe there's good and bad in all of us. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Just to sort of finish up the uh, the story, so I was a litigation lawyer for about 10 years, experienced, as I said, vicarious trauma, burnout, stress, insomnia, you name it. Mm. Um, and then after Melbourne, I moved to Brisbane, settled down, became a family man, and I was really at the crossroads again, you know, because I wasn't happy as a lawyer, Aaron. Mm. Yes, you know, the money was okay and the prestige and all that was there, but that that wasn't why I got into the law. Like my, my reasoning was to, to help people. Um, but along the journey, I sort of lost my own purpose, so to speak. Um, but I always had this interest, this, this crazy passion for personal development. I think it was from that one year when I did behavioral science. Mm. Um, so I was able to, you know, to the best of my ability, manage my stress, um, and then I stumbled, in the last few years of being a lawyer, I stumbled across mindfulness. Mm-hmm. Um, and that really was a game changer for me, you know, and it really helped me and, and sort of funneled me in toward uh, my current role, um, and, and that is uh, managing the Open Mind Institute, which is an organisation that I founded in 2016. Um, it's very similar to the work that you do, but, you know, it's to help people going through their own mental anguish. And we do a lot of uh, coaching in the mindset and performance headspace. I do a lot of events and workshops. Um, and so I can honestly say, you know, hand on heart, I've found my purpose now, mm. um, loving what I'm doing. And um, yeah, I have, haven't looked back since. Uh, so, Mate, I said in the introduction here that it was very brave of you to do that, you know, to be yeah. able to leave something with the security that you did. and. I think you and I were sort of finding our way a few years ago and we're sort of like stumbling across each other a bit. How do we do this? But That's right. Yeah, you're, um, you're, you've obviously taken what you're doing um, to, to a really great level now and be able to, being able to support many people out there. So, so some of the people that you're working with, with individually, can you give us an example of, of, of who they are, what backgrounds and so forth they come from? Yeah, certainly. Um, so just to backtrack a little bit, though, to give you more of an indication. So the, the Open Mind Institute, we, we've got three arms to the business. So there's events and workshops, there's the coaching, which I'll tell you about now, but there's also a digital platform, right? So that's where people can come online, you know, take short courses and, you know, things to really enhance their mental well-being. Um, so, so pre-COVID, uh, the thrust of the business was, you know, live facilitation workshops and lectures, that sort of thing, which I really enjoyed doing. But uh, obviously, you know, this crazy pandemic has affected everyone and every business differently. And for us, that meant that all of our events literally came to a halt. Mm. 
Mm. Um, we always had coaching, as I mentioned, but I always I would always cap that at about five to ten coaching clients. Yeah. Um, so we quickly had to pivot the model to focus exclusively on on coaching. Um, and then when we did that, literally the floodgates opened. I think there was such a demand for our services because people were struggling either you know, losing their jobs or struggling with their own mental well-being. Mm. Um, but to answer your question, Aaron, it really is a mixed bag, mate. Um, you know, so we facilitate, obviously, there's face-to-face coaching, which we deliver here in Brisbane, but I would say 98, 99% of our coaching now is all done remote via by the Zoom platform, mm. right, like via video. And um, it's a mixed bag. So, you know, we've got students, um, we've got young people, who are just struggling with their career and at university. Um, we've got tradies, uh, uh, business owners who have, um, who are just struggling financially, struggling to put food on the table to, to be providers. Um, we have people in professional services. So, you know, accountants, engineers, um, people in IT, lawyers who, are just folding under the pressure mm. um, and I can really relate to them. It's almost as if you were sold a bit of an illusion. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, go into this profession and you'll have the prestige and you'll have the money and, and you'll be happy. And then they get there, they arrive and, and they realize, well, that's not necessarily the case. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, so, so yeah, to answer your question, I can't identify a clear pattern as to who we help. It's, it's a real mixed bag. And I think that's really, indicative of the uncertain period that we're in at the moment yeah mate amazing uh with regards to to yeah sort of stepping into your uh into your passion but how that's sort of evolved for you over the years i guess uh the coaching model and the philosophy is still quite foreign to a lot of people uh they they Mm. sort of may not be too courageous to invest in themselves but I know, yeah. like I did uh, have someone help me seven or eight years ago, and that was really transformational. It was very hard for the first few weeks, but after yeah. that, the, the 12-week period, uh, I actually started to open up, and a lot of those blockages that I had within me uh, started to disappear. Um, uh, wow. And I guess, you know, for, for many out there, to be able to invest in themselves, to have someone support them, to be able to move through the areas in their life where they're being challenged is very, very valuable, and that return on investment it can be quite significant. Oh, agreed. Most definitely. Yeah, so that's uh, that's that's something. I guess you know you sort of touched on it there with regards to um, you know going into a discipline and, and thinking that's going to be the goose that laid the golden egg with your pathway for life and your security and all those sorts of things. But once you arrive there and you start to work in it, then you start to realise, well, shit, maybe this isn't for me. And there's nothing yeah. wrong with that, you know. We, as humans, I think we have a lot of fear and on the expectations that others have of, of us and what we have on ourselves. And, and that security is um, is one thing that keeps us trapped. Uh, and, you know, that's why I'm so, um, yeah. you know, proud of you and you should be proud of yourself to be able to walk away from that into something that you're passionate about. And I guess, you know, there's probably many people that you've helped that uh, you've been able to help work out what it is that they're passionate about and be able to move into that more uh, holistically. Is that right? Yeah, that, that is that is spot on. Um, a lot of people who, who, you know, may be doing a job that pays the bills, but they're, they're just, they're not happy. They can't figure out why. 
So a big part of what we do is to help people identify what their purpose is. Mm. Um, you know, and that, that can be a journey in itself, right? But I think where you can start is just being honest with yourself and, and getting in touch with what makes your heart sing. You know, yeah. for some people that might be a creative pursuit, like, you know, playing guitar um, or, or helping others through tough times, right? So I think we, we already know by the time I think we come out of school, we roughly know what we're good at, right, what makes our heart sing. But you hit the nail on the head before when you said that word fear, mm. right? A, a lot of people are, are really afraid to explore that because of fear of failure, fear of judgment, right, fear of, you know, how that be perceived. So as a consequence, they, they put their dreams on the shelf, it starts to collect dust and, and they think it's, it's too late. But, you know, I'm here to tell you unequivocally, it's never too late to explore your purpose, even if it just starts as a bit of a side venture, right? So what we help people with, Aaron, is mapping out what a potential transition might look like. Mm. Um, and, you know, you and I, I believe, are both on the same page in that when you're living your, your purpose, um, the work you're doing doesn't seem like work at all, right? It's, it's an absolute pleasure to get out of bed in the morning mm. when you're doing what you love. Yeah, yeah, yeah agree, mate. And uh, it's fear, very fearful for people to do that. Oh, the mind will kick in, you know, the, the security or the secure mind um, will actually kick in and say, oh, you can't do this because of this and that and the other. But your real, your real self, like the fourth layer of your being is actually saying to you, oh, this is what I really want to do. But that, that lid's getting mm -hmm. pushed on by, um, by that protective mind pri primarily. And, uh, and that's, yeah. you know, keeping you trapped. But I guess what you're able to do is actually help people open up the lid and then be able to explore, you know, a, a proactive pathway uh, with support that they can actually move forward and, and achieve. Yeah, yeah, spot on. We call it the, uh, the highest self. Yep, that's it. Right, yeah, so, so these are all the attributes that you, you maybe don't have quite a grasp on yet. So, for instance, you might be lacking in confidence, right, or, um, or as you said, you know, you might have a few fears. So what we help people to do is really identify what your higher self looks like and then we flesh out those attributes and then um, we embed them in the subconscious through, you know, mindfulness and meditation exercises. So you start becoming familiar with these emotions that your higher self already has. Yeah. You know, because we have this tendency as human beings to focus on negative emotion. It goes back exactly to what we're talking about because it keeps us safe. It keeps us secure. But it, but it simultaneously keeps a lot of us bloody miserable. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. Right, because yeah, yeah, because we don't we don't grow um, within our comfort zone. It keeps us within our comfort zone. We don't we don't grow there. We remain stifled. Mm. Mm, agree. Yeah. And that's the default setting for for most of us, isn't it? Yep. To actually just think that that's the norm and and keep ourselves in fear by mm. by 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 listening to media and all things that, you know, give us temporary, um, you know, engagement, but underneath mm. all that, there's something boiling away that, uh, that yeah, really yeah. wants to, to get out. Yeah. Exactly. No, I, I think that's a good point when you're talking about, um, you know, temporary engagement and, and instant gratification. So we mask a lot of this, um, you know, I would say untapped potential or, you know, the area we're moving toward, we're so scared of it, 
So we mask a lot of that with, with a lot of this instant gratification and the social media. Um, but, and I think, I don't know, I'd like to hear your opinion on this, but I think that's a big reason as to why more and more people are dealing with mental health, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I think so. Look, you know, social media is an interesting one. Like, uh, I, I engage in it, uh, you know. I don't know whether mm. reluctantly I do, but I, I, still, I still engage in it. But I do find myself at times... Uh, like being drawn to it like a habit, uh, but then I've got to sort of pull mm. back and and just say no, I don't need to do that now and uh, and so forth. And it's very much mm. like any any anything that can trap you. Like it's like getting up in the morning and turning the radio on or the news on or whatever, and just getting into that mindset of going to a connection. But yes. really, uh, to be able to move away from that connection and just okay, I'm going to come back home here. Come back to that fourth level of consciousness, your higher self. Yeah. rather than sort of going to that temporary fix of, uh, of engagement which is outside yourself. Agreed, agreed. I think the first step, however, is self, self-awareness, self right? You, you've, got to have, you've got to have that awareness that something's not quite right mm. Mm. Um, because, unfortunately, as humans, we wait until that pain threshold is so bloody high before we make a change to better ourselves. Yeah, that's it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's interesting. Oh, one of my best friends just comes to mind uh, when, when, when you're saying that. Uh, like, he'll, he'll call me when he's, like, really low about stuff, but then he'll just go on his merry way, and then he'll get back to that low point, and he'll go on his merry way. But I know underneath yeah. all this is something that really wants to get out, but he's just not able to step up to the plate and, 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 and honestly, fearlessly move through it. And, um, you know, mm. I, I can't for- – I'm not going to force him to do that. I'll, I would never force him, but I'm just trying to guide him. But – it's taken mm. like a long time, like a lot of years for him to actually get to that stage where he can develop some self-efficacy to be able to, you know, say, okay, I'm ready to do something now. But the fear factor is is a big part, you know, being able to get out of first gear. Um, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, and then sort of realise, well, yeah, I'm on a journey here to, to finding my higher self. And uh, mm. it's, it's such a uh, hard thing for a lot of people to do. Yeah, no, t- totally agree. Um, but I also think it's something that's within everyone's grasp, you know, and it, sometimes it's as easy as just taking that first step, right, just doing your own bit of research on, on mindfulness and meditation and, um, you know, learning about things like emotional intelligence and, you know, if it, sometimes if you just take that first step, that's all that's needed and that can just send you on a journey towards self-improvement. Yeah, agree. You're accessing a part of your brain that may not have been uh, accessed, uh, you, you know, really relevantly or clearly. And uh, to be able exactly. to find stillness is, is a very uh, topical thing. But uh, mm. to be able to give people the tools to access that higher self so they can be uh, able to be more comfortable in that zone rather than sort of you know, tapping into a briefing and sort of coming back to that default setting and um, you know, the education system, I, I talk about this mm. a lot, I believe it's got a lot to answer for because it puts us into that, uh, mm. that, that fear mindset primarily and then all the guilt comes and the shame comes and yeah. uh, all that associated with it. So we've got to unpack all that shit to be able to get back to that state of feeling okay within ourselves so we can actually access that higher part of our consciousness. Mm. Mate, I, I couldn't agree more. We, we do a lot of work with... Uh with high schools, in particular uh, senior cohorts, year 11, year 12 students. Mm, great. Um, and I agree with you, mate. I think the educational system is is redundant, right? It's all based on reciting information. 
um, a lot of it that isn't relevant for the 21st century, right? What schools need to be teaching um, are are the things that we're talking about now, right? It's it's about, you know, harnessing these tools to to build resilience and and to give people the the, the bigger picture and the ability to um, just work on diluting the conditioned self and conditioned behaviours that aren't serving us. Mate, you know? I, I really love when I get in front of a room of year 11 or 12s and teach them yoga. Yeah, right. Because yeah. I, I see this complete tension in them when they walk yeah. in the room. Yes, yeah. Okay, and I get them on the mat and I take them on a journey over an hour. And by the yeah. time they get back to that, uh, the end of that class, I've had like young men come up in tears, hugging me, saying, thank you, I feel like myself again. Yeah, wow. Um, you know, to be able to actually get them out of that, that fearful mindset of judgment and, and competition and comparison and all that back to feeling them, them again because when yeah. I get them on the mat, I, I help them understand after five or ten minutes that they're safe. They're safe there. Once yeah, you can help yeah. a human feel safe again, then that's when the growth starts to happen. And that's right. That's right. I, I think it's, it's so important, mate. I think it's, you know, um, it's within the – what we're also talking about is psychological safety, right? Like, um, same sort of deal. Like, I have students coming up to me after the workshops that we do, and you know, th- these these young fellows are dealing with things that you and I didn't necessarily have to deal with, right? Things like online bullying. Mm-hmm. I had this I had this one guy saying, you know, you know, he thanked me for for the the, the workshop and learning about mindfulness, and you know, he said it, it really helped, but he said um, the bullying for me do- doesn't end. You know, I go straight from school to home um, and then it's there online, yeah. you know, so I, I have no safe place. Yep. So, okay. you know, it, it's really sad. So I think that the more of these tools and the more of these conversations we can have across the board, irrespective of where you come from and how old you are, um, it really helps to build that psychological safety. So it's out there in the open and we can help one another get through it. Yeah, look, at the end of the day, mate, all humans want to be is engaged and feel loved and, and, and uh, part, right. part of a, a collaboration. And, and that's what we're, mm. I, I, I always talk about this. That's what we're meant to be doing as humans. We're not meant to be separated or apart and all those sorts of things. Yeah. And that poor boy, for example, is feeling totally uh, gullible and separate. And, um, mm. you know, he needs support of someone to come along and sort of take him by the hand just to know that he... He's okay as, as he is and he can actually feel safe again because then he can start growing. But when he's in that sort of you know, closed mindset, um, that, that mm. fearful state, that's when uh, you know, the, the self-development just doesn't happen. And unfortunately, you know, a big part of society is like that. Uh, and I believe mm. a lot of government uh, uh, agenda is around trying to keep people in sort of some form of c- control and fear so they can actually mm. help us. Uh, or not help us, but like push us towards uh, a pathway of consumerism because that's the temporary happiness that'll actually keep the economy going. But all the answers yeah. really lie within us, you know. They all lie within us to be able to get back to those higher levels of consciousness of compassion, mm-hmm. you know, gratitude, kindness, love, all those things that we knew as kids that were sort of taken away from us. Yeah, you're right, mate, you're right. I think there's a certain case to be... Um, made for that, particularly what we're seeing now in this this global uncertainty, right? It's it's almost as if that higher self collectively has been stifled, and we're just becoming, um, you know, mind, mindless sheep, just following the status quo. Yeah, that's right. But if you are, 
you are able to develop uh, a resilience practice which every day gets you back to your home base, back to a neutral mm. line, and you actually realise that all this is an illusion. And, and the sun's been coming up and the moon's been coming up every day for forever, yeah. basically. Now, that's right. That's still happening. You know, that does mm. not give us stuff about pande- pandemics and all these things that are going on in the middle of that. So if you can be yeah. grateful for these little th- things and just actually watch life as evolving then all, yeah. the, all the things that actually are meant to put us in fear or the, that are directed towards putting us in fear are insignificant. You know, one, one thing for me, mm. Paul, I've been really, really grateful to be able to work with young kids, work with prisoners, work with uh, mm. old men. Uh, right. all, all everyone wants is just to feel peaceful. You know, that's all they want. You know, I talked to old guys about what it is that they missed out on doing in their life and they just said, I wish I, I had been more kinder to myself and not so hard on myself and all these sorts of things. And talk to the yeah. prisoner, I put put prisoners through yoga yoga practices, and they just come back to feeling you know little boys again. The, those 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 prisoners have just been punished for trauma that wasn't their fault, you know. Yeah. And I believe we really need a restorative justice to be able to correct that, so they can learn the skills to be able to be more self aware, but also to find that sense of peace within them. And then, yep. you know, the, the little fellas, like the, the, the year 11s and 12s, they're just confused. Yeah. Um, you know, and if they're not careful, you know, they'll go into a, a mindset and a life of, you know, getting into that, uh, that model of uh, following a system of, of thinking security comes from materialism and all those sorts of things. And you're on this hamster wheel to nowhere, but uh, eventually yes. you hit the wall like you do and say, well, shit, I'm, I'm getting burnt out here. Am I really doing what I'm passionate about? Probably not. That guy that came and taught me yoga, um, you know, ten years ago, actually taught me more than what uh, than what I realised at the time, and that that's what happened to me. You know, I I, I quit my, my job. Uh, I was in a pretty high level role with the Tassie government. I went back one lunch time after lunch one time, and I said, "Well, I'm out of here." You know, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. uh, and yeah. I realised I realised wow. realize, very very similar to me as well. Yeah. yeah, you know, and that that that. That took a lot of courage, but on the same at the same time, I was so relieved by by, by, mm. by doing that, and that's taken me on onto a, a different pathway now, where I'm talking to you and I'm doing mm. all these wonderful things, um, <clears throat> which make myself feel a lot better, rather than sort of following a system which I was, uh, you know, not being able to reach my potential and feeling a little bit trapped. I guess, yeah. Yeah, good on you, mate. And I think there's a key message in that for your listeners, right? And and that is. If you're not feeling as though what you're doing is aligned with your happiness, with your purpose, and you're probably not in the right space, and it, and uh, you hit the nail on the head, Aaron, it does take courage. Um, but after you overcome that initial fear, uh, your reward is happiness, and there's no higher reward, right? And and you and I get to share what we do and help people along their life journey, um, and it's extremely rewarding. Yeah, it is. When you when you see someone that's that's moved forward, uh, and be able to make these small little changes in their lives, which can lead to big changes, is very very rewarding. And uh, mm. you know that that's a life that's been transformed and changed, rather than sort of going through the whole system and the whole life, getting to the other end, getting the super, and thinking what the hell was that all about? You know, yeah, uh, yes. being able to actually realise that we're not just here to get a tax file number, pay super, and and, and, and pass on. We've actually yeah. got an opportunity to enjoy life uh, to a higher level and a higher level of consciousness, and um, being that higher self more often, mate. Mm, exactly, so important. I couldn't agree more. 
brother. I really appreciate your time. I'd like to know, uh, well, how can people get in, in uh, touch with you so they can see what you're doing and maybe learn a bit more about coaching and what that can actually do for them? Yes, yeah, certainly, Aaron. They, they can just uh, jump online, mate. Either Google the Open Mind Institute or you can he- head over to theopenmindinstitute.com and um, there's a whole lot of information there about what we do and, and how we help people. What, how did you come up with that name? The Open Mind Institute? Yeah. Well, I just think it's, it's a certain uh, principle I've always lived by, to have an open mind, to put yourself in the shoes of other people, right? Um, to not, not have the blinkers on. I just think it leads to more opportunities. So I just wanted to select something around, um, you know, having an open mind. And, mm. and uh, I guess the institution is the long-term vision is, you know, we really want to build a platform and a place for people to come irrespective of where you come from to just learn about how we can connect with one another learn about how we can improve ourselves and how we can collectively evolve toward a higher state of consciousness yeah yeah that's right and it's available to all of us mate it really is uh you know when you when you come back home every day to 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 your heart and and your real self then Mm. the, the mind opens up everything expands and you're able to uh, live in that high level of self-awareness which I believe is, is accessible to us all we don't have to live mm. in this sort of suppressed... oh most definitely it yeah. definitely is accessible that's right and I guess you know that the falsity of feeling suppressed and depressed all the time is, is quite, mm. quite natural uh, well not natural it's actually working against our true nature but it's just become the, the setting that most of us just go back to uh, and that's that comfort zone but to be able to get out of the comfort zone you've got to find some discomfort so you can actually start to grow yeah and yeah with um with what you're doing i think that's a gateway for people to do that and access that so i really encourage anyone listening to be able to jump on uh, paul's website see what he's doing and uh see if some of the the programs and offering uh offerings may work for you because uh there's evidence there what he's doing works and i believe uh if you provide yourself with an opportunity to be able to uh, front up and move forward then there's a, a great potential for someone like paul to be able to help you out so Really appreciate your time being here with me, Paul, and discussing what you've done and what you've done throughout your life and the journey you've been through. That's mm. been so beautiful to hear. You've honorably speak about what you've, you've actually gone through to be able to get to where you are now. And God knows, mate, look, if you hadn't have made that decision four or five years ago, um, where you'd be. Uh, and look at uh, the tremendous things that are coming of, of that because you actually yeah. um, you know, made the decision to be able to work into your passion and do what you're really, uh, really keen to do. So... Really appreciate yeah. uh, that, mate. You should be proud of yourself. Thanks, Aaron. I really appreciate the kind words, mate. I really enjoy the podcast and commend you on all the good work you're doing as well, mate. So, so keep it up. Good on now. Really, uh, really appreciate that. Thanks, mate. Bye-bye. Guys, thanks for joining into my conversation with Paul. I think you'll agree he's a very vibrant, charismatic character. Very well educated, obviously, but now he's come out at doing something he's really passionate about. So. If you're a person or you're an employer that want to make change, either individually or in your workplace, I really recommend touching base with Paul because he's got some pretty cool programs which can help uh, you map out uh, what it is you want to try and achieve um, as an individual or a, uh, as a team. Uh, so really, uh, uh, really recommend jumping on the Open Mind Institute to, uh, to see what he's actually doing. If you want to touch base with me and give me some feedback on, on the podcast and so forth, I'd really be grateful. Uh, support at outbackmind.com.au website is outbackmind.com.au and uh, if you want to look on Instagram uh, the page is Aaron Schultz Yoga (laughs) so 
I do teach yoga too, which is uh, something that I love. And that's something that, uh, yeah, Paul and I spoke about doing something we're passionate about. And uh, that's something that I, I do to be able to help others to empower their lives. Appreciate your time being with me, guys. And I look forward to uh, coming up with another podcast during the, uh, towards the end of the week. Um, some really cool guests coming along. So appreciate your time being here. Cheers.